Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was her pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. So slip on your mood ring. It's time for... I never saw that. Hey, everybody. (laughs) It's, It's I never saw that. Yeah. With me, Jen. And me, Micah. We're trying that something new out. Do you like it? We'll wait. <laughs> Guess not. Okay. Well, scrap that. Um, <laughs> Mike and I just did some warm-ups. Nope, nope. You just did some warm-ups. Well, it helped you warm up, too, because it made you laugh a lot, and then we, you know, you got to make fun of me a lot. Yeah, it was more of a, like a fear response. I laugh sometimes when I'm afraid for my life. <laughs> I was doing... The warm-ups that we used to do in my middle school choir, Miss Bennett, if any of you are listening that I went to middle school with and was in choir with, that would be like two of you that I know of who listen to this show. (laughs) You know exactly what I'm talking about. And I sang that whole medley thing and Micah's face was pure terror and just deep, deep discomfort. Yeah, it started with confusion and then terror. I thought you were broken for a second. It was like that kind of smile that like, it's very upsetting. Yeah. That's the kind of smile you do when you're hoping the person will notice and stop what they're doing. Mm-mm. But no, no. Once you just you, kept going. Once you start that, that warm-up, that you song, can't you can't stop. Mm. That's a thing that Miss Bennett did to us. Okay. Well, now we're just going to have to release all that audio. Oh, God. Well, it could be a bonus. It could be a Patreon bonus. If maybe. you want to hear it, go become a Patreon Become supporter, a Patreon. <laughs> Anyway, today we are going to be talking about the pilot of the television show ER. Stands for Earned Run. It's a baseball show set in Chicago. Right? Do you want to try that again so you can say set instead of shit? (laughs) No, I don't. Okay, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Why would I want to ruin that? Okay, ER. You all know the show ER. Come on. It was a doctor show about an ER. That pretty much sums it up. It starred George Clooney and a bunch of other people, but we're not going to, I'm going (laughs) to. A bunch of, I mean, come on. I know, we're going to get there. Okay. What I'm trying to say is I want to start with some Montana stuff today Mm. because I'm a little, I'm feeling a little bit fired up about it. So let's get into it. All right. Just a little bit. Talk to me about that. Well, we did this thing. We're featured in this campaign that's happening this month. It's called Two Pods a Day. We've talked about it on our show before. And every day for the month of July, they promote two indie podcasts. And ours was one of them. And we were featured today, which is awesome. And, and it's super cool. You should it, check them oh, all yeah, out. Oh, yeah. It's super cool. I highly recommend you follow it. And um, you'll discover we have actually several of our pod friends are going to be featured as well. Some great shows are going to be on there. So this is not about Two Pods a Day. But... As part of Two Pods a Day, you have to write reviews for other shows. So you submit three reviews and every show is supposed to get three peer reviews. So we only got two, which is a bummer because that was the part I was most looking forward to. But one of them really bothered me because it seemed like the reviewer possibly didn't even listen to the episode. And it was episode one. I mean, it's possible they just weren't into it and like... Could not even fake any enthusiasm about it. Which is really easy when writing. And that's you fine. just use exclamation points. But the thing that's that bothered me was that what they wrote was something about how if you or if you've ever felt left out of pop culture discussions because you're you weren't allowed to watch TV as a kid, you might understand Jen's experiences. And I don't have a good response to that. The whole point of this sh- the what makes this show unique is the premise of the show. And granted, we aren't always good about talking about it, but it is woven into our show. It's the it's the reason why we're doing this show is because of this very traumatic experience that I had. And so to have it kind of belittled in that way is very upsetting to me. 
Now, I'm not saying that we don't want to hear from people who had strict parents and didn't let them watch stuff, and so they miss stuff too. I'm not saying that at all. I know that people miss pop culture stuff for all different kinds of reasons, and we're totally interested in hearing from and talking to all those people for whatever those reasons are. But to say that if you weren't allowed to watch a show, you can understand my experiences is so far off the mark <laughs> that I'm just feeling really upset about it. Well, it's right on the mark for one tiny little aspect of Yeah, for that the having experience. missed pop culture part. And that's, yeah, that's part of what we're doing and in the I podcast, do, but yeah. it completely misses the whole other segment. My point is this. I guess I just want to reiterate a little bit about what this show is about because, you know, it's not anyone's fault but ours, I guess, if people listen and don't understand what it's about or well, don't. And we talked about this a little bit before. We talk about it quite often that we're still struggling a little bit figuring out how to weave the Montana stuff in. Sometimes it works really well. The last few episodes it didn't because it's hard to relate it to a news radio station in New York. It might be kind of hard to relate it to a Chicago ER situation, but I think Jen has some ideas about that. Mm -hmm. um, so we're still figuring that out and we'll work on that. Yes. Actually, something that would be really helpful if you are a person who is intrigued by the Montana side of things, if you would send us questions that would help us a lot because the questions give us some guidance and and we want to talk about the things that you're interested in hearing about so you can email us at info at i never saw that.com or join our facebook group do that anyway uh and you can ask questions there you can ask them on twitter i don't really give yeah, a shit how tweet you tweet at it. us tweet at us people do tweet at us now though Micah. the joke isn't as funny but i think we're gonna keep doing it this is the thing that micah always says tweet at us anyway so long wordy story short so in other words not short um <laughs> i want to just say some things that i already said on that intro episode one this show is not about a woe is me kind of thing i'm not coming from there in fact, sharing parts of that experience in this way is a is a very therapeutic thing for me, and it's a light. It's a way to bring light to that um, by talking about pop culture and weaving it in, and you know, having humor about it. My experience was not worse than things that other people were dealing with. I'm fully aware I'm a white privileged person, and I've addressed that. I addressed that in the first episode, and will continue to. Hopefully you know what I'm trying to say here. But it was a very painful and traumatic experience. And it wasn't only painful and traumatic. There's a lot of nuance there. And I hope to talk more about that as well. But really, you know, I guess just imagine yourself at age 16 being very suddenly removed from your home and sent away for two years to a place that your parents don't know anything about that's in the middle of nowhere and they just leave you there uh they don't know these people but they're so desperate that they just put blind trust into these people's hands and then you're left there for two years i mean just that part is pretty traumatic it would be traumatic for anyone so it's not the same as your parents not letting you watch something is where what i'm trying to say and I don't know, I guess that's all I need to say about that. But to transition into ER, there was a time that I was taken to the emergency room while I was in Montana uh, because I had really bad stomach pain. I don't think I've heard this story. Yeah, it's not much of a story, actually. Mm. I actually had several medical issues while I was there. A lot of girls did. Here's part of the fucked up shit that was going on there and happening to us. Like, we stopped getting our periods. We, I, I got a string of bladder infections. I couldn't stop getting bladder infections because they wouldn't let us go pee. I've heard about the bladder infections before. You, did you stop getting your periods because you were working out so much? Yes. And like well, yes. I think it was mostly the physical exercise and work, but also stress. stress, I'm sure, had to do with it. So anyway, there was a woman who worked there who was our school nurse. And she was a person who took an interest in me in the beginning of the time that I was there and then sort of lost interest in me. But she took me to the emergency room. And I just remember that it was 
It was one of the few times that I was cared for there like a parent would care for you in that she actually took me to the emergency room. And I remember being surprised that she did. And mm. and nothing was wrong. I don't know what it was. Stress, probably. And the ER I went to was in probably Kalispell or something. Big Fork, Montana or something. And so it definitely it was, was not just like the one it in was Chicago. Not just like the one in Chicago, oh. but County General. Is I that did what it was called? Go and um it was one of those moments where I felt where I was treated with at least a little bit of care. Hmm. So on that note, let's talk about these people who are treating people with care in the ER. Okay. On the television show ER. ER stands for emergency room. I just looked it up. So I'm learning a lot <laughs> on this episode. I was very confused because there was no baseball. We already know about Jesus George Christ. Clooney. He plays Dr. Ross, a real drunk guy that's full of himself. Dr. Green. Mm-hmm. Played by Anthony Edwards. Yes. Which he will always be Goose from Top Gun. To and me. I did not realize that that was Goose from Top Gun. Well, he looks very different. It's a different look for him. Yeah, I didn't recognize him, but I haven't seen Top Gun in a really long time. But it was funny because I had just been listening to this other podcast called Subverted Tropes. Some other people that we know and love in the podcast community and their show is a lot of fun and you should listen to it. But they were just talking about Top Gun on one of their episodes and uh, they mentioned Anthony Edwards being awesome and being like the best part of that movie. And He is really good. Here he is again. Mm hmm. With little glasses. With little cute little glasses. And he's all bald. And it opens with him trying to sleep in just for a minute. He just a wants to sleep. Bed, which is obviously going to be a recurring thing. But anyway, Juliana Margulis. Margulis? Is that, is that I don't how you know. say it? Margulis? I thought it was Margulis. I don't know. Margu Margulis. I don't know. We'll just say it a bunch of ways and then we edit out the wrong ones. For saying it wrong because I love her. Juliana Margulis. Juliana Margulis. Juliana She's the other like big person Marglis? in it. Um, I'm just gonna plow right Juliana through here. Keep your head down, power through. Marg Margules. Yeah, um, uh, boy, I can't. I just Juliana can't plow through Mar this. <clears throat> oh, you just coughed over the last yep, one. Sure did. Last one was good. I think I nailed it. Were there other other big people? Eric LaSalle. Well, I did write down. So one of the things I do when we're watching things is. I take notes so that I remember to look things up and remember to talk about things. Uh-huh, but then you don't look at them again until we record. Well, when I was just reading mine now, I remembered that I kept capitalizing ER because otherwise it doesn't stand out as much. And that's how you write ER is yeah. two capital letters. But then when you do With, caps lock just be er. on your phone and you're typing things, then everything after that is caps also lock. Also capitalized. So the one other person that apparently I was really excited was in this show. <laughs> Was Dr. Morgenstern. He runs the ER and he's played by William H. Macy. <laughs> I did that a few other times. So there may. <laughs> well, that is a person to get legitimately excited yeah, about. Yeah. David Morgenstern. John Carter. Uh, when did that severed hand go up? A vascular took it up an hour ago. I just hope they can do it right. Dr. Benton is one of the best residents we have. You learn everything you can from him. Except attitude. He didn't mean that. Yes, he did. I was very excited when I saw William H. Macy. Maybe you did that on purpose and you don't remember. I didn't. I didn't. Because <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, I could go back and retype that, but I don't have time because so much is happening because it's an ER. Damn, so much did happen. So I mean, this, it was overwhelming. So this episode was called 24 Hours, mm -hmm. and it takes place over 24 hours. The first scene we see, as you mentioned, is Anthony Edwards trying to sleep, and he mentions Dr. a few Green. times, like, I just want to sleep until 6.30. Wake me up at 6.30. And then she comes in, and it's 6.30, and he just closed his eyes, basically. Um, but the reason she comes to get him in that first scene is because there's somebody there that he needs to take care of, and he's like, Can't the intern take it? It's Dr. Ross. Dr. Ross? I'll be right there. Because George Clooney is drunk off mm -hmm. his ass, and he comes to the ER to get an IV drip to get some fluids back in him. Because he's an alcoholic, which I do remember being a theme throughout okay. the show, like him struggling with addiction and alcoholism. So wait, how much of this show have you seen? I watched quite a bit of it when I was oh. growing up. So you've, you had seen this pilot already? Uh, maybe. I don't. I didn't really remember the pilot. But... Was this kind of the introduction to George Clooney? No. I mean, he was in Facts of Life. 
Oh, yeah, true. But, I mean, I think this, this was when what, he became a household name. Yes, this catapulted him to stardom. This was, like, that dude's sexy. Catapulted. That's funny. I just remembered that in last week's episode, I made a comment about how we had been pole vaulted mm. from one mm-hmm. thing to another, and you laughed. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure why you laughed. Oh, because but that phrase had never been ca- said before. <laughs> exactly, because the term is yeah. usually... Would would usually be catapulted. If would you're, always. If would, you're, I mean, you know, somebody who likes to follow the rules and be put in boxes, which I don't. Or just speak English. If you're somebody that likes to speak English. Which I don't. And use phrases. Oh, you don't? No. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't like going through things and telling the whole plot of things. I don't think we have to. In no. This one. We can just hit and some The thing about points. this one is that. Yeah, obviously, we'll talk about some of the important stuff, but there's also so many separate things that happen that, and the time of it doesn't matter. And that's helpful because of the way I take notes, mm, yes. <laughs> which are also oh. all over the fucking Exciting. place. One thing I was thinking about with Dr. Green, because the first focus of the show is how little he gets to sleep. And they do say they work 48-hour shifts? 36. 70, um, 72? I don't remember. <laughs> We should Fuck. have written anyway, it down. Well, apparently we didn't take a note on that. But um, Here's something that will surprise you. Neither Jen nor I have any doctor notes? experience. Oh. We don't work in an emergency room. Speak for yourself. So a lot of the things that we're talking about right now are not going to be very well informed. Speak for yourself. So just bear with us. Well, anyway, however long their shifts are, they're way too fucking long. I think this also, we have a good friend who's a firefighter and... Uh, Every time he talks about, like, he has to stay up for two fucking days, basically. How is that? Why would you want, let's go back to the ER situation right now. Why would you want someone who is so exhausted to be performing surgeries? You know what I mean? It seems like this should be a profession where you want to make sure these people are pretty well rested so that they have all their brain capacity. Yeah. But I bet somebody, like... I bet they figured it out. You know, there's probably a the reason why formula. people Oh, do I know. This, I'm sure but... there is. I don't I don't know what it is. Maybe it has to do with patient continuity or something. But that doesn't make sense because you get... I don't know. Anyway, it made me think about uh, how the life of a doctor or a nurse or a firefighter is much like just having a newborn all the time. And it's horrifying to me. The, that thought. Tons of newborns streaming through the door with severed limbs and... Bleeding I'm talking about only and puking constantly. only with sleep, my kid. Oh, okay. I'm talking about how little you get to sleep and how what a walking zombie you must be. Yeah. Although I don't know, our friend is not a walking zombie. I don't know. But they, I think your body gets used to it too, in a way, and you sleep when you can, and right, and you learn you to sleep when you, you can. Yeah, and you figure it out, like, and your body adjusts with adrenaline when you need to, and when somebody comes in, and I mean, I, it's a super stressful job, and I don't. Well, one of the subplots is Dr. Green has an interview with another practice. Yeah. That's a much more typical doctor's practice. But he, his wife wants him to spend more time at home and have a more regular schedule, but he doesn't want that. And mm-hmm. it's really clear. Yeah, like, he'd he have can't like a leave. really nice office. And <laughs> and he'd make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. But he loves the adrenaline from the ER and the saving people. Yeah. And the... He loves it. And he loves the people he works with, I think. Yeah. I predict that they are going to get divorced. Yeah, I got that feeling. You Well, you've seen it. Am I right or not? I don't remember, man. <laughs> Worthless. Yeah. I mean, Micah, our show would probably be better if you had some insight to provide from the things you've already seen. You're right. It'd be way better. Especially if I remembered things. and That's what I mean. Yeah. I wrote, oh, God, here comes the blood. I fucking hate hospital shows. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that bloody though. Like, I mean, it was there was blood, but they don't show a lot of gory stuff. Uh, they did that surgery that Eric LaSalle's character, who he's a resident, I can't remember his name on the show now. Oh, I have it here. He Hold started on. doing it, and then William H Macy's character, Doctor Morgenstein, finished it. Doctor Benton. Doctor Benton yes. had to do this emergency surgery. Yeah, and he and he did a good job. Um, right, but that part was kind of gory, wasn't it? No, they didn't show anything in that one. Ah, shit. Well, anyway, but, let me just say what I was trying to say, okay. which is that I have always been very sensitive to violence and things like that. 
In recent years, I've become very desensitized in some, I think, actually really good ways. But hospital shows still make me feel nauseated. Like anything mm-hmm. that has to do with people's... It's too real for me, I think. Anything that's like about people's bodies. Like, I don't know. how. I don't know. It just, it makes me feel sick and like really freaked out and anxious. This, I did not really feel that way watching this. I mean, there were only a couple moments that I was like, huh. Yeah. I remember when this first came out, though. I think this was one of the big, the first big hospital shows. There were probably hospital shows before this, like I'm General sorry, Hospital. General Hospital. <laughs> they never did surgery at General Hospital. They didn't show shit on that show. It was all about relationships, Jen. Well, I can't argue with you because I don't know. I don't remember. My mom used to watch it, I think. No, no, no. My mom used to watch All My Children. And she stopped when I was like sitting in my high chair one day and I said, I pointed at the TV and said the name of a character. Let's just call the character <laughs> Doogie. And I was like, Doogie's sad. And she was like, oh, fuck. And then she turned it <laughs> Gotta off. Gotta turn this off. But I think this was one of the first hospital shows that popularized that because there have been a ton since then. Like hospital shows are a I'm big... sorry. Have you heard of General Hospital? Uh, okay. Remember when we were talking about my memory? <laughs> how it's bad um, i'm sorry Go i ahead. know there have been other shows there were other doctor shows in the past but this was like a prime time hospital procedural almost that mm-hmm. those have become a lot more popular and they were yeah really like it popular all, after this it all or mostly takes place in the hospital in the er yeah yeah i mean let me say i was very into this episode and i don't know what i was expecting but I was really impressed with a lot of it. They they tackled, there was a part that seemed like there were some feminist parts that I was really down with. There's a couple female interns or doctors or residents mm-hmm. or whatever they are. And like George Clooney immediately tried to hit on one of them mm-hmm. and she totally shut him down. And I was really stoked about that. Dr. Ross. Hi, Tracy Young. I'm your third year student. Well, hello, Tracy Young. It's nice to meet you. Listen, for the next few days, we're going to be working very closely together. Well, not that closely, Dr. Ross, but I'll do my best to help you out. So, if you tell me what to do, I'd like to get started. Just trying to be friendly. I've got all the friends I need, thanks. Shall we get started? And I really, I was liking his character, and then he turned into a fucking bro. (laughs) But he's going to be complex, and I think, yeah, anyway. He's a a ladies' man. He knows he's good looking. But he's also a fabulous pediatrician. They did tackle a lot of little issues quickly in little vignettes it was a weird pilot like i think they were trying to show what 24 hours in the er can be like um they introduced us to a lot of characters and plots yes. that they're gonna yes play on later it but was... they also did really interesting things where i feel like they were showcasing these are the kinds of issues we're going to tackle in this show mm-hmm. and they didn't deal with them as a, a normal show would spend like i don't know 30 minutes of the 44 minutes or whatever you get in an hour of tv with this plot and yeah. this patient yeah. where they did these really quick little things where a baby came in and the babysitter brought this baby in and had bruises and burn marks. and Well, I was going to say that one didn't seem that quick to me. That seemed like the one they spent the most time on was that this child was being abused. Yeah. But I, th- I still think it was only a few minutes of screen time. Yeah, Because there were so many other things that went on. And Dr. Ross confronts the mom when the mom finally comes in and it's... They didn't quite wrap it all up but it kind of it just happened really quickly and then there are other ones where somebody comes in and is having stomach pain and dr benton has to decide he's only a resident but he's like i'm doing surgery right now because if i don't this person this person will die okay okay um call morgan stern tell him to get over here right away i'm starting a ruptured aneurysm peter you can't you're just a resident what do you want to do you want to wait this cat could die while we're out here discussing i know that but I'm just trying to keep him alive until Morgan Stern shows up. That's all, okay? And so he does it and he's not like supposed to do it. He gets the OR prepped and he does all this stuff. And then somebody comes in and finishes up for him. That's William H. Macy. That's yeah. what I was referring to before. Yeah. Very, very confusingly and badly. But they did a great job of introducing the characters in that way too. Um, because there were several times. And I, I remember feeling this way when we watched My So-Called Life. Mm-hmm. I remembered recognizing the characters and thinking oh man i haven't thought of them in so long but now i remember them and i remember their characteristics and their personality yeah kind of and they did a great job it was 
I'm sure it'll change if we watch more of this. I'll pick up more nuance, but I re- I remembered those characters and they did a great job of portraying them. Like Dr. Benton is super arrogant and on top of it and probably overconfident a little bit, mm. but he's good. Mm-hmm. And as the show goes on, I remember their characters kind of, because he stays for a long time. Clooney stays for a long time. Mm-hmm. They Noah Wiley, we also have yeah, mentioned. And Noah Wiley is the brand new intern who doesn't know how to do shit. Like he, he's adorable. I love him, but he is. It is funny. So they put him in. They he's a resident, a resident intern. Intern. I, I don't know what the difference is really, but anyway, he's a new student. He's but. a student, and he doesn't know how to do stuff yet. And, and I it, don't know why you would put a student who doesn't know how to do stuff yet in the ER. But well, they talk about that a little bit. They have to do different internships. Do you know how to start an IV? Uh, actually, no. I thought you were third year. I am, but all I've done is dermatology and psychiatry. This one, he wants to do it, but he doesn't know how to do sutures. He doesn't know how to do an IV. He doesn't know how to put an IV in, poor baby. And so... And the, Air, and Benton, Dr. Benton is just like super yeah. cold and like, here, do this. I love the way he shows him how to do an IV too. He like pulls out this little piece of equipment and some other things and he shows him like, you just do this and you put it on here. There's no patient around. He doesn't show him how to actually do it. He just, Yeah, he's a terrible teacher. Yeah. But if, it's uh, it's understood that, like, you should know this stuff. I got to get you up to speed, figure it fault. out. Right. I mean, I, I was confused because I thought if he's supposed to be his mentor, he's a super shitty yeah. mentor. <laughs> Little no Wiley. Yeah. He was very cute. And he and does. helpless. But he did. He wasn't helpless. He did a good job. He learned how to do it. And I remember him changing a lot throughout mm-hmm. the series. Like, he grows up. Oh, yeah. I imagine. And it's yes. Cool I, to watch I've that. seen. At least clips of this show enough to yeah. know that he becomes a very like confident doctor. But you know what I associate him with always? ER. <laughs> Did you see the movie Swing Kids? No. You didn't? No. Why are you smiling and looking weird like that? Was he in it? <laughs> okay, well, there's a movie called Swing Kids. It's a super fucking sad and upsetting movie about nazis and swing dancing who swing dance and he is a character who is like friends with all these people and then joins the nazis and becomes this like brutal Hmm, awful nazi guy yeah so i like seeing him in like nice yeah that's interesting. nice little guy i like seeing him as the like wide-eyed intern that doesn't know what he's doing because it helps me get past that as a villain before that's interesting yeah that movie's that movie's pretty amazing, as I remember. He's a librarian now, I think. He plays a librarian in a lot of things. That's adorable. And he played Steve Jobs. He did? Yeah, later. Cool. Um, so, since we're kind of talking about characters right now, uh, Juliana Margulis? Margulis? That's it. Nailed it. Margulis. I bet it's Margulis. Yeah, because that's how it's spelled. It's definitely not that. Whatever. Anyway, she's the head nurse. Very competent, very no-nonsense. Carol. Her name's Carol, thank you. Hey, Carol, are we out of oral insulin? Yeah, we ordered some yesterday. Call down again. Hey, Carol, Dr. Green wants to know if we have any more uh, laces. We were out an hour ago. Check hey, it. Carol, Dr. Ross wants to know if we have any PKU cards. Tell him no, he's going to have to try and get a blue top for the baby. He said he can't get one. Carol, are you sure that you don't have a PKU card tucked away in that special stash of yours? There is... A lot of sexual tension with her and George Clooney. They apparently have dated before. I can always count on you. Even if you do prefer football players. Had your chance. I was young. I was a fool. <laughs> You're still a fool. But anyway, she's she seems just like on top of it. She's super badass. I'm already really into her. But at the end of the episode, she is brought into the ER. A lot of a lot of the people who work there uh, end up there. I've noticed. Mm, yeah, <laughs> like, they just. Sorry, this isn't funny. Actually, she OD'd, mm-hmm. and they and was brought into the ER. And they the way the pilot is left is that you don't know if they're going to save her. So when this aired, when the pilot aired, you really didn't know if she was going to die or not. And there was a scene, a really brief scene, as she was leaving for the day, where she went to the cabinet where all the medicines locked up. And she grabbed something and then locked it up and took it off. Oh, yeah. I remember that now that you say that. Yeah. And then when she shows up, they talk about a lot of things. I looked this up later and 
people that are real doctors and ER nurses, and they were talking about the things they were saying. The things they were saying made it pretty clear that she would not survive. Morgan turns on his way or serum barb is 45. Is that a mistake? Repeated twice. Like, if she did live, it'd be like a miracle. One in a million chance that she'd survive after some of the things they were saying oh, really? about what her body was doing. And when they wrote the pilot, she was supposed to die. I, I was totally going to ask that. I was totally wondering that and I didn't look it up. Yeah, because that is how it felt was yeah. that maybe they're just going to, maybe they're going to introduce this character and then kill her off right away. But then they didn't really close it off. I mean, they left it vague enough I mean, that unless you're a doctor, you wouldn't know. So apparently they, like, audiences loved her. Mm-hmm. As they should, because she's and rad. The crew loved her and the chemistry between her and Clooney and everything. So mm-hmm. they brought her back. And Clooney is. I don't know if they really acknowledge it. Fuck. They, what? They do. They talk about her suicide attempt later, but I don't think. I don't know that they acknowledge that she was basically dead and it's a miracle that she's alive and that oh, they oh, fucked I up. See. Yeah. <laughs> they wrote it that way. Yeah. Well, no one knows. I mean, come on. It's a. It's not a show for doctors necessarily, Micah. So, things they've tackled so far in just in our conversation. Child abuse, sexism, and suicide. Mental illness also comes up. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, violence. I assume gang violence because yeah, a 13-year-old a... kid comes in. He's a crack dealer. They mentioned that. Oh, they did. I missed yeah. that part. But he took, they said he took several shots from an Uzi. Yeah. But he's coming in screaming. Yeah, and they have to have other people come like, in and hold him down. How is he still screaming if he took several shots from an Uzi? Shouldn't he be dead? Yeah, I mean they don't show us where he was shot or anything, but I know, and we also don't know how that was resolved. And I assume, well, I don't know. So I do want to watch more of this show, definitely, because mm-hmm. I really liked it. But I'm assuming that there are some patients that are kind of ongoing stories as well or who come back on a regular basis there's already a woman they introduced who okay this is this irritates the fuck out of me though she's this older woman who really likes dr green Mm -hmm. she basically comes in so she can see him she comes to the er with tiny little she had a hangnail she had a fucking hangnail and dr green this super busy doctor who's running around all the time and can barely find a few minutes to sleep spends some time fixing her hangnail in the emergency room Mm -hmm. please explain to me that me you're asking me to explain just why that it's so it's so absurd and not in a good way it's like i don't know i think they're trying to show that he has a really good bedside manner and he has great rapport with his patients and he cares a lot about people and he'll deal with them no matter how small and small their issues are but it's the er he tries to push her away and tell her like no i can't do that right now i need you to this is not a big deal i need you to go (laughs) away and he says okay we can do it but your insurance isn't going to cover it we're going to have to bill you and she's like okay she just wants to see him and talk i know but it's the er yes it's ridiculous the way they showed this particular er it is constant trauma Mm -hmm. so i it just i mean it was a sweet scene if I could, if I can get past that part of how stupid and unrealistic it is, then I can see like, yes, it's sort of sweet, but I don't know. It still irritated the hell out of me. The other thing along those lines is like, people can just walk wherever the fuck they want in this hospital. <laughs> they just go everywhere. Patients are like walking in and out of rooms and office. People are going through yeah. all kinds of doors that <laughs> it's just like, how is everyone just, everyone just goes where they feel like going. One thing that I was confused by a little bit, and they didn't show how much time went by, but Dr. Ross's first appearance on the show, he's like falling down drunk. He can't even get in the hospital bed by himself, basically. Mm -hmm. He does, but they give him an IV and someone, I don't know if it's one of the new interns or somebody mentions, like, is he always like this? And Dr. Green says, well, yeah, on his off days. Yeah. Like this happens all the time. And then I don't know if it was a commercial break or just like one scene and then all of a sudden there's an accident in the loop i don't know what happened like a car accident or something or a train derailed and all these people are hurt and the emergency room is getting ready they're like okay there's going to be this many incoming people it's going to be crazy we have to prep for this and this Mm -hmm. and this and all of a sudden dr ross is up he's got his lab coat or his white coat on and he's helping the way that he's able to snap into action Mm -hmm. when he needs to and i i imagine that that's really real yeah. for a lot of people. It's never acknowledged again, his drinking, and the whole rest of the pilot. 
Well, that's because he's on duty after that. Yeah. He's just working. Which was weird. Was it time for his shift to start? Apparently, which means it's not just when he's off work. It's just nonstop drinking until he's back on. I guess, yeah. Which isn't great. I totally noticed that, and I thought that was really... I it it felt kind of real to me. I mean, yeah. I think that people who are sure, in those yes. positions and and I I would imagine that heavy drinking is fairly common because you're dealing with a whole lot of shit on a daily basis. And, you know, people are just trying to cope with that. And I would imagine that you know, you learn to be able to snap to attention when you yeah. when there's a crisis. There's also a great scene with him and a kid who swallowed a key. Oh my god, I was going to bring that up. And he it was like the best part. Can't stop laughing and the mom is super pissed because she's locked out of her house. Oh. Jimmy, why'd you do it? Because you see, he's impossible. Here's KB. Mhm. Ah, well, there it is, all right. You mean that's where it is? It's in his stomach? You said he swallowed it. Ah, what do I do now? Check his stools, Ms. Edmonds. He'll probably pass it. That's not what I mean. I mean, how do I get into my house? I'm locked out. You... You don't have another key? (laughs) It's not funny. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, who is this kid? Actually, I did write down who is that kid. And I don't know if I meant who's the actor yeah. or just like this kid is so fucking amazing. I love this kid so much. That's oh, great. Yeah, it was really That funny. scene was good. They do a lot of the typical doctory show things where mm-hmm. a woman has to tell a guy that he has cancer and then he takes it really well and then he breaks down and then they have that exchange. Um, and that guy actually, Miguel Ferrer. Oh, sure yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to remember what you were talking about. He died recently, way before we started this podcast even, yeah, so he's not fault. related to the curse. He is George Clooney's cousin. Oh, right. Which I never knew. Yeah, I didn't either. His mom was Rosemary Clooney, like which is George cousin, Clooney's right? aunt, or his aunt was Rosemary Clooney, which is George Clooney's mom or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That all sounds right. Yeah. That's well, it right. can't all and sound he, right. But. Yeah, so she has to deliver the news. Not, not she, not, who's the... Yeah, that's the other character we haven't mentioned. I can't is remember the her name. Susan. Female doctor. Is it Susan? Susan? Doctor what, though? I thought it was Ross, but it's not nope. because Dr. Ross is George Clooney. But she works upstairs. She's not usually in the ER, but she helps out when they need coverage. So she comes down a lot. And she's really close with Dr. Green. So what's the problem? You know what the problem is. Jennifer? Yeah. You can't live your life the way someone else wants you to, Mark. I know. Especially a lawyer. She's not a lawyer yet. You know what I mean, Mark. It's got to be your life. Yes, that's another reason I think Dr. Green and his wife are definitely going to get divorced. she just broke up with her boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This show is going to be all about romance, Mm -hmm. which is going to be annoying, but also what, you know, the heart of the show. Oh, everybody gets all coupled up. Everybody's got to get did. (laughs) Um, yeah, well, that was a good, that was an interesting part with her trying to, having to break that news. And she was very, she's a very, I would say her bedside manner is not as good as Dr. Green or Dr. Ross. She's much more she's matter of fact. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. But speaking of dude doctors versus women doctors, it's funny to me how dudes don't, they always just think they're right. And so. <laughs> is that a, funny to you? There was a part on this, in this show, where there's a doctor who checks a woman, but doesn't really check her, and then says, what we have here is an ectopic pregnancy, needs to be scheduled for ultrasound and surgery. No, you don't diagnose an ectopic pregnancy without doing the ultrasound. You do a fucking ultrasound first. Well, yeah, but that's kind of Dr. Benton's whole thing, the whole show, is he's really annoyed with... Was that Dr. Benton? Yeah. So, Noah Wiley... I'm just saying that's first. not how that works. Right. You don't, you but don't just. It fits with his character. Noah Wiley says he's like trying to tell the girl, you, you probably have an ectopic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. We need to do an ultrasound and then see. And then Dr. Benton comes in because he tells her or he tells Dr. Benton, I'm having trouble getting through to this patient. We need to do this. Dr. Benton comes in and just sits down and asks her a few questions. And is like, yes, we need to do this right away. But the reason he does that and rushes to that judgment is because he's super annoyed with the radiology people. Remember, every time somebody comes in, he has to go get the x-rays done and then see 
like he can see the bullet hole and the person tells them I was shot and then he has to go in and wait for the x-ray technician to talk in a, into his little recorder and explain. There is a radiolucent density in the soft tissue superficial to the mid shaft of the fibula. A bullet. A bullet is what it's called, Steve. A bullet. Yes, I get that. That part was funny and I understand that. But for an ectopic pregnancy, you need to do an ultrasound first. I mean, it, with a bullet... It's very different. <laughs> right, like, but he's saying He's saying she has the symptoms and of and prep her for prep the room for surgery because yeah. he's pretty confident and if they do a, an ultrasound and it doesn't show that then they haven't lost anything. I don't know, it just seems like really arrogant dude stuff to me. He's he's which an arrogant is, doctor. You're, you're just backing it up, which is totally makes sense. It's the dude code. No, I'm it's not backing bro, him up. I'm explaining that's his part of his character and that was clearly shown several times. Bros before hoes, right, Micah? Right. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, so this... <laughs> Wait, can I... Since we're on the topic of Dr. Benton, one thing I noticed was after he performs that surgery that he's not supposed to, he makes a really ugly incision and the Dr. Morgenstern comes in and that's the first thing he mentioned. William H. Macy! Yes. He mentions, that is one of the ugliest cuts I've ever seen, blah, 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 blah. And Dr. Benton is feeling like kind of shitty because he did this thing and he was really nervous, but he did it and he's not going to get any credit for it. And then as he's walking out the door, Dr. Morgenstern tells him, you did the right thing. You did a good job. So he walks down the hall and he does this. He kneels down, like does a lunge kind of in this big fist pump. And I remember that from the credit sequence. I think it's in the credit sequence for the rest of the show because that image was so iconic and I could feel the music. Like this show also... The music is so good, and it's so like it swells at at all all. the right moments. I don't remember the music. Mm. Well, the next episodes we watch, you have to listen. One thing I was also thinking about is how this job is killing these people, Mm -hmm. like quite literally. Um, George Clooney's character is drinking himself into oblivion, and and uh, Carol Carol is ODing on drugs. And I want it to be more about how being overworked in this way is bad for people (laughs) and probably bad for the people they're treating and not as much about how they're these big heroes but i get but they did set that up pretty well they are both things like they are heroes and yeah and they're just humans but the job but being overworked at that level jesus christ i liked how they set that up with carol's suicide attempt too because dr morgenstern william h macy Mm -hmm. talks to dr green about it because when she's brought in, they all have heard that she's on her way in and she's overdosed on something. And so the ER is packed with people that are just standing there watching her and they can't even get her in the door because there are so many people watching. And he yells several times, like, get back to work. What are you doing here? And they talk about that, that you just have to go on. The unit's looking to you, Mark. You set the tone. Yeah. Yeah. She was one of us. We loved her. We worked with her. And now something's happened to her. It makes us feel guilty. It makes us feel angry. It scares the hell out of us. But we take care of her, and then we go on with our jobs. Yeah. You set the tone, Mark. You get the unit through this. You have to treat her like you'd treat anybody else. Yep. Try to do what you can. Move on to the next patient. Which is what they do. Yeah. It's like their dear friend and they're like, well, we're doing what we can and we don't know if she's going to live. And the episode kind of moves on too. Yeah. It goes back a few times and shows Dr. Ross in there. It shows... I mean, I feel like she's definitely the crux of the episode. I mean, she's the most important thing that happens. But yeah, I, I did think they handled that. I, again, I was so impressed with how realistic a lot of this seemed i mean it's definitely over dramatized it's a tv show you know so but so many things just little things they did felt so realistic in terms of the way that they wrote just people just humans Mm -hmm. there was a really funny scene with a guy who wanted he was convinced that he had cancer but he didn't and he was like begging dr green to tell him he had cancer i think it was dr green he was like, just tell me, just yeah. tell me, tell me. I can take, I know, I know, I know I have cancer. And it was very funny and really real, I think, because, I mean, I'm sure they deal with that shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Just hypochondriacs, you know, yeah. or or just 
I don't know. And having to bounce back and forth between the lady that comes in for the hangnail and then a 13-year-old that has who, gunshot wounds. Exactly. Like, exactly. Just and jumping back and forth. the dude and, who is convinced he has cancer but doesn't. And the dude who does have cancer yeah. and is going to die soon. And then your friend who OD'd. I mean, mm-hmm. it's I, it's... I thought it was pretty pretty great. I thought this show did a good job. I mean, maybe what I was trying to say earlier, obviously there were other hospital shows, but I think this one was notable because it was more realistic and grittier and wasn't... I'm trying to think of other hospital shows. Like there The were, one that keeps coming to my mind is Trapper MD. Trapper John MD, yeah. Which I've never seen, I, I don't think. I that too. But that was... I was just trying to think of shows with MD in the title. Because right. I feel like... That's what they used to be. And I feel like those shows used to be more about the relationships and the, it wasn't like the fast paced. They weren't addressing what was actually happening in the hospital. Right. It was about relationships with people and other things. And then, I mean, MASH was kind of like this in a lot of ways. There were scenes and moments. Yeah, MASH was great. But it wasn't the, I mean, I guess that was the focus of the show. They were, they were doctors. Like the Alan uh, Aldo's character. Mm Mm-hmm. Is a doctor, but not everybody there is a doctor. They're all. I mean, it's the medic unit. Mash is the whole. It's the hospital hmm. unit. So you're saying I? I think uh, you might need to watch some, wrong on this. some Mash. I mean, there was a Mash was great. Uh, it was a there great was a show. chaplain, but pretty much everybody else was like a nurse or a doctor. Chaplain. Radar was kind of a driver. He you're didn't. A I don't. No, I'm not. I mean, I am ordained in the Church of the Dude or whatever it is, but. Ernie Rogers, MD. That's not a show. That was one. Nope. That I used to watch with my family. Didn't. Didn't watch that. We used to watch it. We would gather together on the couch and we'd pop some popcorn. Mm. And I was get our... trying to make a point, but I don't remember. Well, uh, there was a great quote. I don't remember who said it or in what context because that's how I take notes. But <laughs> somebody said, helping them is more important than how we feel. Mm-hmm. Um. Hi. This applies to so many things. <laughs> I mean, and for me, it re- applies to all kinds of social justice shit. Yeah, that's what I was. That's the point I was trying to make. Kind of, it's really related to that quote. They did a good job of showing these doctors as people that obviously want to help other people because yeah. they're doctors. But in order to do that and work in this type of situation, you have to be able to compartmentalize those things and be kind of. Ah, fucking wait. cold and sociopathic. Damn it! Why'd you say that? I was gonna say, did you know? Yes. I know you. I know you already know this, Micah. <laughs> Just play with me. Start over. Okay. Micah, it's interesting that you bring up how people need to be cold mm-hmm. and like calculating and compartmentalizing. Because did you know? <laughs> I really extended this. <laughs> did you know that surgeons? are one of the highest, have one of the highest rates of sociopathy. Interesting. In their profession. Is that how you wanted me to play that? I uh, did and, know that and my because cousin, you told me that all the my time. My cousin is a surgeon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess he's a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you were going with that? No, it wasn't. But then I decided no. to just take a quick turn at the end there. Right. He's not a sociopath at all. So it's still a very, very, you know, it's still a very, very low percentage. But we've talked about this before about why, how that could be useful in certain oh, jobs. Totally. And I feel like surgeon is the one that makes the most sense to me as, you know, it being a benefit to your ability to do a good job. And you have to be able to job. lose a patient and turn around and save the next one and not dwell on yeah. that. Yeah, right. And it takes a special kind of person. Some of them are sociopaths. Yeah. Some of them are just really good at compartmentalizing and moving on. Because you also have to be able to, like Dr. Green and Dr. Ross, have really good bedside bedside manner manner and connect with patients to find out what's going on and make them trust you. Mm -hmm. I was wondering watching this if the creators of Scrubs watched it and were like, this is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) But seriously, like if... I wonder if they were inspired by this show. Well, I think Michael like, Crichton let's take, created let's take both a different... shows. He created Scrubs later. He... That's cool. I didn't want to finish my thought, so it doesn't matter. Uh, well, I had here's a good another joke. thing that I uh, really you have a joke. Right I had now? a good joke. What is it? It was. I'm I, not. I said it. it. Was the Michael Crichton joke that he created both shows? That's not a joke. Oh, 
That's just a thing you said to interrupt me. It wasn't funny in, in any way for any reason. But it was a joke because he didn't create Scrubs. That's not funny. joking. Oh. There's one more thing I mm. want to ask about, and that is, this is no picnic. This is the Late Late Show. I do not see how these two things are connected, and we need to talk about this on the podcast. Okay, boys and girls, let's go. This isn't a picnic. This is the Late Late Show. I remember someone saying those words. I think I do remember now. I think it was when Dr. Benton was getting ready for surgery that he wasn't supposed to be doing. Yeah, I don't really give a fuck what he was doing. I'm wondering how those things are connected and why any person would ever say that sentence. Because picnics are fun and easy and the Late Late Show is late and hard to do. The Late Late Show is just a comedy show on television that's on late at night. Right, but making that compared to going on a picnic, I think that's where he was going with that. You think so? Comparison. Because I don't think so. I think it was just a very poorly written line, oh. and I'm very upset about it. It might be. it doesn't make any fucking sense. It might sense. be a really famous line. Maybe he was quoting someone and we just don't know it. Now we sound like a bunch of idiots. Wrapping up, anything, any last words you want to say? I feel like we need a thing at the end still. That in, We've tried doing like rating stuff. I, I feel like have, that works better with movies. Maybe. I want to have a couple more tries at Juliana Margulis's name. You're a dipshit. You know that? You're yes. a disrespectful dipshit. I'm not trying to be That's disrespectful. I want to know how to say your name. Okay, well, I'm done with this episode. Okay. So, <laughs> I really enjoyed ER. I liked it a lot. I really want to watch more of it. So, the last thing I will say about that. I mean, this show was on for 15 years. So Was it really? Yep. Well, I don't think Isn't that, that fits in our timeline. I know. So for we're not going to talk about 15 seasons of this fucking show, but if you have specific episodes that you really love, particularly from the first three seasons, please let us know and we will watch them and we will talk about them. But later too, I think is fair because if there are really good episodes, you didn't watch the show because you missed the beginning and so you didn't watch sure. the later stuff. That's true. So we could, because I would really like to rewatch some of the later stuff when... Noah Wiley is a badass doctor. Mm -hmm. I think he becomes the king of the hospital. Does he become a Nazi at any point in this show? There is a weird thing in season seven where they go through a whole alternate timeline thing and he becomes a Nazi. Mm -hmm. I never understood that. But now that you've told me about Swing Kids. It's the darkest timeline and we're living in the darkest Mm. timeline. All right. On that note. That's a reference to uh, Community. Yes. So if you haven't seen that show, go watch that show. Well, I don't like inside jokes. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. We really love you if you're out there. We love you so much. Yes. What's up, New Brunswick? Please join our Facebook group. Yeah, please do. Let's see if we could get like a couple new members in our Facebook group after this episode. That would be so great. It's fun in there, and we'll approve you. Just... We know it's there's a process. You yeah, just we have to... we approve everyone. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, it's not an elite club. We would love to have you. It would be great. Um, we're on Twitter at Never Saw That Pod. We're on Instagram at I Never Saw That. We have a website I Never Saw That dot com. You can email us at info at I Never Saw That dot com. Yes. Hit us up with those questions about Montana. Yeah, that would be really helpful. That'd be really great. Or tweet at us. And thank you to Graham McRae for our artwork. Thank you to Fifi Folios for all of our internet stuff. Thanks to Minus Violet for our music. Until next time, see, see you in the, the 90s. 90s. Juliana Luisa Margulies. Juliana Margulies. Juliana Margulies. Juliana Margulies. Juliana Margulies. Juliana. Margulies. Juliana Margulies. Juliana Margulies.